0: That's publichealthquestion at jhu.edu for future podcast episodes. Today, Stephanie Desmond speaks to Max Koenig and Chaitan Betagalda, two Johns Hopkins experts who have been studying why the immune system sometimes overreacts to COVID-19, causing a deadly cascade in some patients. They discuss the search for ways to bring the immune system back into balance, and they hope save lives. Let's listen.
1: I'm here today with Max Koenig, a rheumatology fellow at Johns Hopkins, and Chathan Bedegauda, a neurosurgery professor at Johns Hopkins. Thank you both for joining me.
2: Thank you very much, Stephanie. Pleasure to be here.
1: We are going to talk today about the immune system and how, obviously, it plays an important role in keeping us safe from diseases like COVID-19. But also, what you all are learning is that it may be actually causing very serious disease in these patients. Could you tell me, Max, a little bit about the immune system and its role here?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So you perfectly summarized that everybody needs an immune system, obviously, to keep us from invading viruses, bacteria, and cancerous cells. So, the immune system has a role in COVID 19 to allow us to clear the virus. That's not different than any other viral infection that we see out there. What's unique about COVID 19 is that we see that a portion of patients, and that's somewhere between 5% and 15% of the patients that develop the disease, have a very aggressive form of it. These people develop a very severe inflammatory disease, meaning that the immune system gets overactive and is in overdrive. And we think that a lot of the damage that's seen in this part of the population that develops severe COVID-19 is actually mediated by damage from the immune system and not the virus itself.
1: So Max, I understand that there's something involved here called a cytokine storm that is killing people. Can you tell us what a cytokine is and also what this storm is all about?
2: Yeah, so cytokines are proteins that are used by the immune system to communicate. The immune system is made up by different players, different cell types that all need to orchestrate and work together to clear an infection. Cytokines are part of their way of communicating and cytokines allow them to ramp up an immune response when they first encounter a virus, but are also important in bringing that immune response down at the end and resolving the inflammation when the infection is cleared. Usually this is a very tightly organized and orchestrated response, and cytokines are made in the amount that they are needed to fight off an infection or fight off a cancer cell. In the case of COVID-19, While most people have an appropriate amount of inflammation and cytokine production, there is a subset of the people who do the worst, where we think that they make an exuberant too large amount of cytokines. And that is what we call a cytokine storm. In fact, they make so many cytokines that it tends to overwhelm the person who is infected, And we think it's the cytokines and the large amounts of inflammatory molecules that actually causes the damage that we're seeing in patients who have the severest form of the disease.
1: Chathan, is there any way to know who is going to suffer from a cytokine storm and and who is not?
3: Great question, Stephanie. Unfortunately, at this time, it's difficult for us to be able to predict uh, with significant accuracy who is at highest risk. This is certainly an area of tremendous research and great interest because we do want to make sure we identify the highest risk population to take any preventive measures. There are candidate biomarkers or or molecules that are in the bloodstream that people are investigating. And certainly in the near future, we hope some of those will become uh, very obvious based on data and clinical trials. But at the moment, we don't yet have that level of sophistication to be able to predict who's at highest risk of getting sick.
1: If I have a mild case, you can't give me a blood test to tell you whether or not I will develop this immune response.
3: That's correct. Unfortunately, that's not yet possible.
1: So what are we able to do for patients? Are we uh, using medication that we use for other illnesses, Max?
2: Yes. So there are multiple ways that we're currently trying to treat COVID-19. And the approaches are different for patients who have mild disease and patients who have these severe forms of disease that we call cytokine storm. You will have heard in the news that many different drugs are currently being trialed and repurposed, and people have tried to use common drugs like hydroxychloroquine to to treat viral infection, the success of which is still not fully understood, but it's likely not as potent of a drug as we hoped for. There are ways of actually trying to treat the virus, and drugs that are targeting the virus itself are currently investigated in clinical trials. And then there is this large group of molecules or drugs that are commonly used in different diseases of immune activation and overactivation. I, as a rheumatologist, use them frequently to calm down the immune system in patients who have autoimmune disease. And those drugs are currently being investigated to treat patients who have cytokine storm syndrome. These are called immunosuppressive drugs. They target different cytokines and other molecules of the immune system. And the goal is that we turn off the immune system in patients who have the highest aggressive form of immune activation. We don't fully understand yet how to use these drugs, and that's why the clinical trials are so important. The drugs in patients who have what I would call sterile inflammation, they have an autoimmune disease, for example. In those patients, the drugs work well, and the risk is relatively low because they're not actively infected. You can imagine if you have a patient who has a breathing tube in place, who has an active viral infection in the lung and other parts of the body, is at a higher risk, and we worry about the potential side effects of using these drugs in patients who are infected with a virus, as they might prevent the virus from being cleared and increases the risk of, of other infections to take a hold of the patient.
1: So there really is a balance here, right, of trying to use the immune system to fight off the disease but not allow it to do the damage itself.
2: That's absolutely right. And at the moment, we're not really good at knowing where to strike that balance. And that's why there are so many trials ongoing around the world to answer that question.
1: Uh, Chetan, do we see these similar types of cytokine storms in other illnesses?
3: Another wonderful question, Stephanie. Uh, and absolutely. And I think that's where much of our uh, learning has happened and hopefully will translate into helping patients with COVID 19. We see these uh, sort of cytokine storms or uh, severe immune dysregulation in other forms of infection or sepsis, which is a widespread infection that's often from different bacteria, as well as in cancer treatments that use the immune system to ramp up and try to attack cancer cells. And this is, in fact, how Max and I initially got involved in areas of investigation around COVID-19 because the group that we work with uh, had made interesting observations about how cytokine storm-like presentations can occur in uh, experimental models of cancer therapies that use the immune system. And indeed, uh, the lessons learned from those studies seem to be helping to shed light on what's happening in COVID-19 patients.
1: Mm-hmm. Once this is started, can it be stopped?
3: Great question. I think that uh, it's- always the goal to be able to stop things when they're in full force. But we know, much like everything else in life, if multiple things are happening that are quite sort of out of control, it's much harder than to address it when it's in the early phases. And this can be the case for medicine. It can be the case for almost anything in life, that often if you prevent the problem from happening and getting to an extreme state, the likelihood of success is probably much better and we feel the same when it comes to treating cytokine storm and severe immune dysregulation that strategies that prevent covid-19 patients from getting to that state perhaps might have greater success now we know that those strategies are unlikely to ever be 100% effective so we will always need strategies that can rescue patients once they get into that state but we feel very strongly that prevention as well as treatment, are important strategies to pursue in COVID-19.
1: So how do you know who it is that's going to progress to this and, and who will recover from their mild disease?
3: This is really the biggest, I would say, one of the biggest challenges is trying to identify who is that person that's going to have a very mild course versus those who are going to have a much more severe course. And I think really only very detailed clinical trials that are able to longitudinally follow individuals and uh, apply interventions earlier in sort of the inf- course of the infection will hopefully allow us to determine who is going to be the ones that are going to have the rockier course in, in a more severe form versus those folks who are going to be able to be managed hopefully just as an outpatient with supportive care. And I think that uh, clinical trials are going to be needed to really tease out that answer.
1: Max, I know there's been some research done in China into the cytokine storm. What have we learned from there?
2: So we're hearing reports about cytokine storms from all over the world at this point. Obviously, the, the disease and the early reports about COVID-19 came from China. So we have a lot of information from China at the moment that helps us better understand the dynamics of the cytokine storm. What's very interesting is that in patient populations that they looked at, where they compared patients who did well with COVID-19 and those who ended up dying, they were actually able to see differences between the two groups very early on. When we think about the severe complications of COVID-19, most of them happen in the second and third week of illness. People tend to have mild disease in the first week, and that's usually when the virus replicates the most. But we think in the second and third week in that population that ends up doing poorly, we see the immune system build up and cause a lot of that immune damage that we call cytokine storm. When they looked at patients even early on, just a couple of days after becoming symptomatic, they were already able to see differences between those that did poorly and those that did well. So there is a signal that certain cytokines and other markers of disease could potentially be useful to identify patients early. And maybe that's the population that we want to focus on in terms of preventative measures.
1: And you say that you, there's a sign. Is this um, something that was found in their blood? Something was found in some of their clinical presentation?
2: Yes. So mostly I'm talking about markers in the blood. Those can be inflammatory markers. Some of them are specific cytokines that are elevated, but other markers are actually indicators of tissue damage and organ dysfunction. So early on, we see that their clotting cascade can be activated. And indeed, a lot of patients who have severe COVID-19 have overacting overactive clotting cascades. We also see that some damage to the heart seems to occur early in patients who do poorly. And there's some leakage of markers that indicate cardiac injury, heart injury. And then there are other markers of other organ systems that potentially are also early on showing signs of damage. And that can be the liver and that can be the kidney. So markers of disease severity and potential outcomes Seem to emerge early, but it's too early to use this data to really predict how people are going to do.
1: I was going to ask about that. So tell me, Max, where do we go from here?
2: Well, at the moment, I think the community is coming together in really ramping up research efforts in an unprecedented way to tackle this pandemic. That means that different researchers who typically don't think about infectious disease including us, by the way, come together to try to tackle this by using novel approaches, by working together, working day and night and collaborating in a much larger amount than we have ever done to really come up with solutions quick, because obviously there is a large amount of pressure to get this right in the first place. We are currently very involved in trying to find solutions. Other centers are very involved in trying to test certain medications, both for the treatment and in our case for the prevention of the disease. And we are very hopeful that we can get answers fast to hopefully apply our knowledge to a large population um, so that we can prevent deaths before the pandemic is over.
1: Max Koenig and Chathan Betagouda, thank you both so much for joining me.
0: Thank you, Stephanie.
3: Thank you so much, Stephanie. Take care.
0: Thank you for listening to Public Health On Call, a new podcast from the Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health. Please send questions to be covered in future podcasts to publichealthquestion at jhu.edu. This podcast is produced by Josh Sharfstein, Lindsay Smith-Rogers, and Lamare Morales. Audio production by Niall Owen McCusker and Spencer Greer, with support from Chip Hickey. Distribution by Nick Moran. Thank you for listening.